to Everyday Non-Ordinary. I'm your host, Jenny Wiener. I am a psychedelic assisted therapist based in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And on today's episode, I'm speaking with Zoe Shulman. I connected with Zoe after finding her artwork on Instagram, um, and I instantly recognized it as uh, visuals that I've experienced with I am ketamine. Um, and if you have worked with ketamine um, and had ketamine visuals, you know, they're kind of unique and distinct and have this sort of uh, specific, or they often have this specific sort of geometric element to them. And they're just a little different than, you know, some of the other medicines. Each medicine sort of has its unique profile. So I was just really excited. I had never seen those visuals represented before. And I reached out and we had a really great conversation. And um, she agreed to come back and record a conversation. So it's a really great episode. Um, I hope you enjoy it. And I will catch you on the other side. Hi, Zoe. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me to Everyday Non-Ordinary. My pleasure. I'm so glad to connect again. We had the chance to connect a couple of weeks ago and I know we both sort of wished we had just recorded that conversation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was really great. Yeah. That's so great glad. to be back. Yeah, thank you. So I always like to start by just asking people sort of how they found their way to psychedelics, really, you know, wherever in your story feels useful for you to start. Absolutely. Um, about three years ago, um, or four years ago, I had hit a really big brick wall in my life and was just having such a hard time in both my personal life and my professional life, uh, coping with rejection and life's disappointments and understanding, you know, my place in the world. I was having, you know, what many would call somewhat of an existential crisis. Um, and so I decided to get help. Um, I had been, you know, very isolated and I uh, didn't have a much of a support system outside my immediate family and needed a professional guidance to uh, get a better understanding of what was happening. So um, I started with a cognitive behavioral therapist and it was, it's, it's still a fantastic relationship that I have with my therapist. Um, and we have done a lot of great work together, kind of taking my struggles and reframing them uh, in a way that can help me move forward in a positive light where I'm not stuck in the past and not stuck worrying about the future either, that I can just be mindful and in the present. And um, however, uh, in the course of that cognitive behavioral therapy, um, I was sort of like listening to my therapist and hearing her, but not necessarily like believing it or feeling it. Um, so a lot of the advice she was giving was absolutely true you know, spot on, but I was just having a hard time getting there emotionally. Um, so that, you know, my behavior 
you know, I was still kind of finding myself getting stuck in these cog- these unhealthy cognitive loops in my head. So um, I did end up going to a psychiatrist, and um, I initially had no idea what ketamine was when I went. And uh, I it was then that I was actually diagnosed with depression and post-traumatic stress disorder and uh, mild anxiety. And I had no idea that I had those diagnoses until then. And it was just kind of a revelation. Like this is where, this is what's really going on is a combination of, you know, past trauma and uh, getting stuck in life and being very anxious about the future. Um, And so initially I was put on Prozac and um, a mild uh, anti-anxiety medication called Xanax. And um, those, you know, just helped for acute, um, you know, anxiety attacks. And then I had the, you know, the antidepressant, which was, it's interesting because, you know, I found that, yes, I had low serotonin. You know, I was just an individual that did not produce enough serotonin. And that leveled me out and made me feel like I could just wake up without feeling a ton of bricks on my chest. And so that was, in essence, a way to get stabilized. And it was somewhat also a Band-Aid because it it wasn't getting to the root of the problem of the kind of existential crisis that I was having and still stuck in. Um, And so I asked my psychiatrist, I noticed you offer something called ketamine therapy. What is that? And they explained that it was a a dissociative drug that over the course of an hour or so will, you know, produce a very kind of uh, potentially psychedelic experience. And they explain that, you know, it works in both a a physiological sense that it, it, it works to increase, uh, dopamine levels so that you can have more neuroplasticity um, and that that is kind of just the way, just the science of it works. Um, So you could get out of those negative thought patterns. Um, And then there's also the other component, which is the, uh, what is being kind of widely described as the mystical experience, which is, you know, very hard to describe. Um, but it's a thing and it's very unique and personal to everyone, you know, everyone who had, who may have a mystical experience, but speaking personally for myself, um, during my first, uh, ketamine session, I had had, uh, just this unbelievable sense of, of an out of body experience and, uh, it was like entering another space time, like another dimension almost like uh, some kind of four dimensional um, geometric abstract, very complex prism like space. And it was visually just beautiful. And um, my ego just dissolved. So 
everything that I had been holding on to, um, the sense of failure, the sense of the really uh, lack of deep lack of trust of people, um, a lot of that pain just kind of momentarily was gone. And I sort of had a, this realization that, you know, being a human on this earth and conscious was a great, great, precious thing. And there's so much illusions about being a human, <laughs> just the social hierarchy aspect. And I was, I, I caught myself realizing that I, I was struggling so much with feeling like I didn't have a place in society. And then I realized that that artificial uh, social hierarchy, it, it's just that it's artificial. It doesn't really mean anything. Whether you get a lot of likes on Instagram or you win an award or you, you know, end up CEO of a company or you make money, none of that means anything, you know? And so I realized like what really matters is, you know, finding a special place in yourself for acceptance, self-compassion, and doing what makes you feel true to yourself. And if you believe in a higher power, true to God as well, or many gods, if you're polytheistic, you know, whatever that is, that special faith is for you. Or if you're just a spirit, if you're, if you're a spiritual person, I myself consider myself more spiritual. Um, whatever that is, that, that connection happened. And I, and I would say that that is what define my mystical experience. There's so much in there that I was nodding my head to and mm -hmm. just that resonates so, so strongly with me. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Just to go back to something sort of earlier in what you said, you know, about the difference between talking about some of these things with your therapist, doing CBT, and experiencing it through ketamine. I'm curious if you have a sense of what that limitation was for you in just traditional, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. I certainly have had that experience with diff, you know, various psychedelics of, oh, that's what I've been trying to achieve mm -hmm. for years in therapy. And I say that as a therapist mm -hmm. myself and someone who really values therapy, mm -hmm. but this feeling of like, oh, that's what I've been trying to do all along. And I'm curious for you, sort of, if you have a sense of what the difference was. Yes. Um, and, you know, not again, yeah, I will echo what you're saying and not to diminish therapy at all, because that, I, I will say that to have had the successful ketamine treatment, I needed to have had the cognitive behavioral therapy as part of my integration process. So I really look at mental health treatment as a whole, like a multimodal process. And there's no one magic tool that makes it all perfect. But what I will say is when you combine them, these, these tools, there's a kind of uh, poetry that comes out of the relationship between them that just makes it click. It's not a sum of parts, it's a relationship of parts. And for me, something about the ketamine experience just was like, uh, it just freed my, my mind. 
in order to accept a lot of the changes that I was going through. And I think when you're really depressed, um, your brain just naturally kind of rejects new opportunities or, or different ways of thinking because your, your neural activity is just like really diminished. And what the ketamine on a physiological level does is it just creates all these new connections in the brain. And for a two-week period, you just see the world through a fresh set of eyes, like a refreshed lens. So when I go to cognitive behavioral therapy and engage with the reframing process, it was so much easier. It was like way less work to be accepting of those new thinking in new possibilities and new opportunities. And so, for example, uh, one of the things that happened is um, I was just kind of like doing a lot of my own work as a a professional artist um, and working locally in, in the state of Texas at large with trying to get my art out there in the world. And... Um, it never occurred to me that I would ever try anything else in that state of mind. And uh, all of a sudden, I was just driving home with my dad. Um, and I just said, can I work for you? <laughs> and uh, my dad is a uh, attorney uh, in private practice. And he works in criminal law here down here in the uh, Hayes County uh, criminal justice system. And I, he's like, yes, I love that. So um, I was able to work as a legal assistant for a year with my dad. And um, that was just a new, it just suddenly dawned on me that, hey, there's like these other things you can do with yourself and you don't have to just be stuck in one thing. Mm -hmm. And I actually, and this is seemingly unrelated, but it does dovetail with my current path that I'm on because um, when I was working with my dad, um, you know, I would go over evidence um, involving, you know, capital murder cases. And like, these weren't like small little, you know, cases. These were horrible, traumatic events, um, many of which involved, you know, uh, looking at um, murder victims and and crime scenes, so I realized, kind of in that line of work, that there's a need for helping humans develop into healthier people. That there's there's a huge need for mental health resources, and many of the many of the uh, inmates that we worked with were had various mental health challenges, many of which uh, were actually dealing with PTSD. They had severe trauma mm-hmm. and no way to integrate that trauma or to even understand it. And I think of myself and my own social um, economic privilege and think, you know, I didn't even know I had PTSD when I had it until I was formally diagnosed. So like, Somebody in a lower socioeconomic strata, strata is, you know, really, really going to uh, struggle. And of course, there were all these complex, you know, um, 
issues and the uh, involving race and, and racial injustice in the uh, local criminal justice system and so many moving parts and components. But uh, one, the main, like the heart of it was that there are people that are not getting the care that they need, bottom line. And, you know, if I could go 29 years of my life and, re- and not realize that I have PTSD, just think, you know, what, what other people are going through. And it, and it leads to tragedy. And that's kind of when I, I made a big choice that I wanted to go to uh, become an art therapist. And that does kind of lead into the integration uh, part of the psychedelic journey that I've been on with ketamine. I'm just struck by how expansive that sounds and how off limits that is to someone in the depth of depression or trauma. Mm-hmm. And imagine if everyone sort of like you're alluding to, if everyone exper- who's experienced such trauma or mental health issues or anything had access to that expansiveness and that capacity to see things differently or see things in a broader context, how much healing could happen. Yeah. And it, and it, it would be like just such a preventative and, you know, it's, it's, I think that's the heartbreaking part is if we just had more resources and better tools and more of a multi, you know, multimodal approach to mental health that perhaps we would have, you know, lower crime rates and more functional, healthy members of society. Mm-hmm. And I, I just saw like the underbelly, you know, the, the deepest tragedies of, of human society and, and our criminal justice system. And, um, you know, that's, that's, and just working from a def- like a, a defense standpoint, even for just the, the short time I worked was just a year. This was so overwhelmingly illuminating for me uh, to better understand my own trauma and have more of a nuance and understanding it and really thinking more critically about how I go through the world as not just a uh, somebody with PTSD, but more specifically as a trauma survivor, what do I in turn do uh, that leads to a trauma resolution for myself? How do I deal? How do I cope with having PTSD? And for me, the ketamine was a big part of that journey and, and saying, hey, you don't have to be stuck. You can explore you can try new things for the first time in your life and you can learn from this and then you can integrate it. You can, you have, you know, I just heard this voice like through this geometric uh, vision, like, like you have so much to give, like you can, you can move forward with your life. And so that's really um, what, what got me started on this. And, in terms of integration, you know, because I, I absolutely um, realize how many gaps there are in psychedelic therapy in terms of getting the experience to translate um, to others. And one thing that 
you know, we talked about before in our previous conversation is like, you know, not, not everyone necessarily, you know, either A has a mystical experience or B wants to share that experience. And that's totally fine. Like if that is a, if that is sufficient for the patient and, and they go through their process without telling anybody anything and and that's what works for them, that's wonderful. Um, and, but speaking from my own experience, I would say that, um, I felt the need to share my experience, um, with others. And I realized that there are a couple of things that make that extremely challenging. One of which is, uh, you have trauma when you have trauma, you know, traumatic memory is fragmented. It's, it's ineffable. It shuts down your frontal cortex. You can't, you know, you, you, you're not verbalizing. You're not, it's really hard to talk about without going into fight or flight and, or freeze mode. And so, um, and then on top of that, when you have the ketamine experience, which is the incredibly healing part of the, of the journey, um, that also makes language very difficult. Like you, you're so dissociated from your physical self that you're not even aware that you exist. So talking is, is off the table. You, your brain can't formulate really words. Um, when you're that, dis- you know, at higher levels of, of ketamine, it's, it's very difficult to speak if at all. Um, so that makes sharing your experience extremely difficult. <laughs> um, right. so one of the things that, I started doing was like, what, what essentially like was my experience? What, like, what, what was it? And I just remember the visual component. I remember the shapes. I remember the shimmering, beautiful crystal cavern, this, this, and as we talked about, it's like quicksand because you just like keep falling into these different planes and, you know, you just, uh, you, there's, it's very difficult to like have grounding and, um, but that's such an overwhelming experience. And, and, uh, luckily with my background as an artist, I was able to, uh, visually render my experience. And, and a lot of people would say, oh, that's, um, it's funny because they would probably say that that's abstract, abstract art. But in reality, it's a pretty accurate representation of what the, the visuals were really like. It's the closest I could get to what it was really like. Um, so I, I drew it out. And suddenly as I was drawing, I started like remembering little bits of what I was thinking or feeling through the trip. And I thought, oh, and I would start writing it down, like writing down little sentences or even single words. And um, in between the drawings, I would come out with poetry. So the, the, the shared part I could bring into, um, or the, both, both the visual and written part I bring into cognitive behavioral therapy and talk about this. And then we would discuss it as, as content in a session. My therapist could go, oh, I can see what this is. And she could understand it. And we, can, we could do the reframing uh, process through the cognitive behavioral therapy. And that was, um, that was how I was able to integrate my experience and move forward and, um, you know, just, just understand it and share it. And 
Um, and just to like touch back on one other question you asked me a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. I would say like for me, ketamine is like sometimes like you have to see something to believe it. For me, ketamine is like seeing the thing. Yeah. It's like really being there. Like people can tell you over and over and over again, A, B, and C, and it can be true. But until you physically see it and feel it and believe it, it really doesn't feel true. It doesn't feel real. So possible. Exactly. So the ketamine made it real and possible. Yeah. I mean, as you know, I first found you on Instagram because I saw your drawings and your paintings and I was like, those are ketamine visuals, you know, and they're so distinct from the visuals of other medicines. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, that's the thing where you're flying from one plane of the universe to the other. It's like, <laughs> totally. Um, and I, but I love hearing how the process of creating that also actually facilitated the integration for you and the recalling of some of those insights um, that's a really beautiful process. Thank you. Thank you so much. And like, it's sort of like, um, it, it's, it's like, it's like you're developing a, an associated, like a, an associative like cache of, of memory. Like you, you see a thing and then, and then the thing has meaning. You start constructing the language to describe it and it kind of goes back and forth. It's almost like you ever have that experience where you walk into a place and there's a certain smell that like jogs your memory. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like when you do the drawing, when, when I, excuse me, when I do the drawing, it sort of like jogs your memory in that same, jogs my memory in that same really strange way um, where I suddenly just like remember, I have this like memory of what I was thinking and feeling. So the psychology, the literal psychology of the moment becomes, it becomes uh, readable, legible and, uh, you know, it's, it's like a translation. And then ultimately, like I was, I was beginning to play around with it too. Like I was developing some, what of my own language. Um, for example, like some of the, like, I was like, what do you call those geometric shapes? Like what, <laughs> what are those weird things? And, um, I realized like, I was like, Hmm, ketamine plus polygon, ketagon, they're, they're ketagons. They're like a really unique thing. And, um, yeah. I just have to say, like, I'm so, ex- I'm so happy and elated that, that you saw them and you reached out to me, like, and found my work because until we spoke, I had no idea that anyone else saw Ketagons. So that just like made my entire like world. Yes, I'm not crazy. <laughs> well, and I, I think I told you I sent them to a friend too mm-hmm. who's worked with ketamine who was like, yep. <laughs> I love it. I just, I, because in, in a sense, you know, I know that, that the, you know, people's mystical experiences, you know, can be very personal and unique and, and maybe they're, they're nothing like anybody else's. And, and, but to hear that other people see these things and and that there's there's almost something um scientific or objective about about those shapes that if some if other people are looking at that and like identifying that as like part of their experience there's something going on there 
And, um, you know, not to, I definitely don't want to put anything into a box or label it too, too quickly. But, um, you know, I think the fact that we can both, and I, again, I, not to, not to label your experience whatsoever, you know, but, but, um, you know, if I might say like you saw Ketagons, that's, that's kind mm-hmm. of interesting that you have this totally thing, this, this thing that's like ineffable for, for two people and difficult to describe. And, and suddenly there's a word for it and there's yes. a, sh- there's a shared experience between two people. Then that, that's a whole nother dynamic, which might be useful in a setting such as group therapy. Totally. Yeah. Is that part of your goal to sort of create a lexicon for this and sort of a, a framework for using art as integration? I would, I would love to do that. And, um, keeping an open mind, of course, like not, not going so far as to, to, to box things in or, or clearly define them so much that, that there isn't room for others, unique experiences, but, but at least just to have a, a stable foundation on which people can, can share. And, um, that, that there's, there's some kind of, uh, yeah, like a foundation for that. And, and I think I, I just got accepted to, um, Southwestern college, uh, in new earth Institute out in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So I will begin, uh, in March this year on my, uh, my master's degree, um, for art therapy and counseling. So I really want to learn how art therapy as, cause it's its own practice. It's like, you know, existed way before I did and something I just want to kind of keep an open mind about and learn all about. And I want to kind of understand how that can weave its way as this, you know, historic practice into this, you know, uh, more, I mean, psychedelic assisted psychotherapy has been around for a little while, uh, but it's become more mainstream as uh, the psych, you know, the psychedelic renaissance is coming to this, you know, kind of this peak and uh, we're, we're living that and we're experiencing that. And I, I'm wanting to understand, you know, provide more tools for my own experience for others who are, who are going through what I've gone through to be able to integrate their experiences, uh, their psychedelic experiences using art therapy as a tool to do that. And I think it, it's, it's possible that if it worked for me, it could work for somebody else. And the, the beautiful thing about art therapy, I realize is that, you know, I have a background as a professional artist, but you do not have to have any skill in art whatsoever to, to do art therapy, to do the deep personal work. And, um, it's just about uh, the main thing is just just getting to um, the root of the matter and finding a different way to access that using visuals or your hands or just different sensory um, approaches to get to to getting at it other than than talking like as in talk therapy I think it's just a it's again it's just a different form of therapy literally mm-hmm. so um, I think that, you know, with psychedelic therapy, it's, again, it's just so hard to, to describe, but then maybe there's other sensory ways to, to just access it and go about it and share it. I also think about how many of us are cut off from our 
creative impulses. Mm -hmm. You know, I certainly feel that way. There's a part of me that feels very creative. Mm -hmm. I was a musician growing up Mm -hmm. and I loved arts and crafts and writing and just the way sort of my life unfolded. I became more and more distant from those pursuits. And I'm, I'm, work with a lot of clients that express similar things. And I know a lot of people who feel similarly. Mm -hmm. And I have certainly felt since, you know, since working more with psychedelics, more opened up, just like reopened to those parts of myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it makes so much sense. Absolutely. Um, That that's amazing that it's, 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 it's opening that, that back up and there's something you know I I, it's like they say like every kid's an artist like every kid picks up a crayon you know yeah at some point or another someone just tells them to stop yes and that's the heartbreaking part is you know in my formal practice as a painter and drawer you know I realize that drawing is just as fundamental of a skill as as reading and writing but we don't think about it that way. We think, oh, it's just doodling or, you know, wasting time or like this isn't this isn't like a communication skill. It is. It absolutely is. And I think only like what's a statistic? Like one percent of people know in you know on the planet know how to formally draw. And so think about that. Like you have a certain, you know, these really profound experiences through psychedelics that are able to access deep, deep, deep traumas. And yet few people have more methods to describe or express it other than speaking. And yet psychedelics oftentimes make it hard to to speak and to write. And unless you have some other sensory way to access it, you know, maybe it doesn't get onto paper. And like, that's, but, but I think, I think deep down, like we all have that potential we absolutely do. And it's like people say, oh, I can only draw a stick figure. And I say, well, take a drawing class. You know, you might be surprised that in a matter of a couple months, you could draw something pretty fabulous. And sometimes I even think, you know, there are a lot of like formal drawing theory books that I've I've read and dabbled in where, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like even a signature is a drawing. Everyone has an, a, their own unique way to describe themselves using a written line. And um, that's abstract. It's expressive and it's incredible. And even something like that can hold so much meaning and identity, like a little scribble. And um, that's essentially drawing in a nutshell. And just getting people to understand that like, you, don't, you don't have to, to be able to draw things realistically to make a meaningful expression of yourself that that sort of breaks the ice for me. It's like, no, just like the, the whole process of drawing something representationally, um, you know, is, is all, it's an abstract process. It's totally abstract. It's like you scribble on the page for, you do gesture, you know, and you scribble on the page for like the first 15 minutes trying to find and locate relational points of what you're looking at translating this 3d thing onto a 2d surface and trying to make sense of that and working the negative space and getting line quality and light and shadow all the work together um 
it, it's just, it's, it's really abstract. And, uh, but, but I think that's kind of the nature of language in general is that there's like, like words or be like abstract symbols until you start putting them together and making meaning. So I think unless like, you know, we get to those uh, deeper relational questions and, and use all of our senses to access trauma and talk about it, like you're only kind of sharing like a part of the big picture on some level. So I'm just hopeful that art therapy can can access, like help us access that bigger, more complex image and not just one part of it. And I, cause I know that's what it did for me. And uh, in relation to, you know, com- combined with, with ketamine therapy and other, other therapeutic approaches could be extremely uh, efficacious. And I'm just thinking about all the ancient civilizations and indigenous mm-hmm. communities that have used art to I mean, to depict a lot of aspects of their lives, but including mystical experiences with or without Mm -hmm. psychedelics and how in, you know, modern society, the majority of us have now sort of outsourced our creative expression to the musicians we listen to or the artists we, you know, whose work we, you know, go to the, the museum to see and, but there's so there's fundamentally like something about the this personal act of creating the just like you said the process yes unattached from the outcome there you know is something that humans have known for thousands of years that the process of this is valuable invaluable and I I, I go back to you know ancient cave painting I go back to the stone ape theory. You combine yes. these things <laughs> and it's all there. I really totally. think that, you know, like the construction of, of language as we know it came from, I, I, I feel strongly, not just our relationship with one another, you know, certainly we had to be able to communicate, but, um, you know, where do you, where do those symbols come from? Like where, where do we get the inspiration to, cr- to construct a language? And, the the ancient cave paintings were so so complex and such beautiful things and like even me having been formally trained i look back at at those those pieces and i'm like like the cave at Lascaux, the the bulls is like it's breathtaking breathtaking it's one of the most beautiful things i have ever seen like i don't ask me to even attempt to make something that amazing. Um, and yet they did it. And they did it like with a lot of people say art is like this luxury or this thing that we do when we have ample resources. Well, you know, there was some some woman in a cave with a torch, uh, you know, scraping charcoal on the wall and spitting charcoal and trying to figure it all out when there's no guarantee that she wouldn't have been you know, eaten by some large predator or, <laughs> or like, you right. know, or something awful happening to her and, and, or not having the resources she needed to make it through the winter. Um, so we think about that and it's, uh, it's just, a, it's like, no, like we, we fundamentally as humans need to express ourselves and have language no matter what it's, it's fundamental to who we are. And I, and I, and I suspect 
ancient civilizations and society have been doing this for thousands, thousands of years. This is old right. knowledge. Like this is old sacred wisdom. And I think, you know, that it wouldn't surprise me if that was like the whole spurring of religion and, and a lot of just creative concepts that make our world so colorful and meaningful today, you know, that, that they went through these ancient ritualistic processes of, you know, um, mimicry and, and imitating nature and, and understanding it and going into role playing and, you know, uh, ingesting these substances and having a deep, deep metaphorical connection with nature and, you know, created healthy relationships between, you know, their themselves in the world. I could not agree more. And I'm so grateful to you and your art for carrying that message. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering how folks can see your work, get in touch with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you so much. I'm, I'm so honored to be a part of this podcast too. And um, if anyone is interested in reaching out to me, um, you can find me at Zoe Shulman Um, I'm represented here in Austin, Texas by Kamiba gallery. Um, and, uh, I'm also on Instagram. Uh, you can find my Instagram address on my website and, uh, to spell my name, it's Z O E. It's my first name, Zoe Shulman S H U L M A N and then studio.com. So I'll include links to to everything. Yeah, that'd be great. And, and so you can, um, you can Google my name and find out about my latest work. You can follow my work, uh, live as it's happening on Instagram, or you can, um, come see it in person. If you're, if you're nearby, I, you know, always love the opportunity to talk to somebody to, to meet people like, you know, meet people and share experiences. So, yeah, if you're in the neighborhood, like come see me, reach out to me. Uh, we can meet, or have coffee, or or meet at my uh, gallery, Kamiba Gallery, and talk about it, talk it out. <laughs> and I can't wait to see what comes of your art therapy <laughs> path. Um, I'll certainly be up for any group you start or yes, any integration program. I'm there. Just to touch on a, a final note, like yeah. before I, I did ketamine, like I I really started feeling like people were obstacles or threats and life seemed flat and one dimensional and black and white. And that's depression. You know, that is the combination of depression and PTSD. And it's like life was like in full color again. I, I could breathe again. And I, I don't think I would have been able to even have an experience like this on this podcast if I hadn't had access to those mental health services. So I'm extremely, extremely grateful. And I, I just, I just really, really want psychedelic medicine as a whole to, to, that, to be more accessible, more yeah. affordable, more, less stigmatized, like break the stigma of mental health challenges and break the stigma of psychedelic medicine. Because let me tell you what, it'll save people's lives. And there's, there's, that shouldn't be a stigma. That's, that's so, so important. 
I'm really looking forward to continuing that conversation together too. Thank you so much. Yes. So that is the show. Make sure to check out Zoe's Instagram and website and um, find out where her work is being exhibited and where you can get in touch with her. And if you liked this episode or you're liking the podcast, please do rate, subscribe, review, share it with people, whatever works for you, whatever feels right. Um, I would really appreciate it and would love to hear if there's someone you would love to hear interviewed on the podcast about their experience with psychedelic integration. So uh, check out the show notes for where you can get in touch with me and let me know. And thanks so much.